Welcome everybody to Dentro's Reality and today we are going to be doing another unconventional Dentro's Reality discussion on Survivor 42 and I am being joined this time by another good friend of mine, Jonah. How are you doing, Jonah? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you, Dennis, for having me. Um, I think it's really cool that you're doing this. Um, and uh, yeah, this should definitely be fun. Um, it's it's nice, going to be nice talking about the season. How are you doing? I've been doing good. I just wait every Wednesday east at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for a new episode to come on and then have a further discussion on this. So that's what basically my show is about. Yeah. And so, you know, White White Rice Wednesday is the Christmas, the Christmas for five-year-olds of, of Survivor fans. Um, it's actually been a pretty fun season so far. I think it's been better than Survivor 41. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah, I kind of prefer this cast over 41, big time. Real facts. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I can imagine one of the contestants literally straight up saying on social media that why can't my season be this good? <laughs> okay, so since we're starting this discussion, we are going to do a quick assessment on who is still left in the game based on last week's episode. So let's start off with the Ika tribe. Okay, so uh, I'm going to talk about Tori first. Uh, Tori is someone that, you know, she's been very entertaining this season. She's been an interesting presence to the season. And um, she's been like the, the second one in line, the contingent plan for both boats, and yet she's still in. And what I find very interesting is she's clearly, because of that, not in control of this tribe, but yet she's getting so much content. It's ridiculous. And I think that that really makes me think, and this might be a bold prediction, I think she has the best chance right now of making it to the final three. I don't think she'll win, but I think she will be in the final three. Um, so, yeah, that's that's like briefly what I will have to say about Tori. What about you? Tori, she does come off as a social threat, but it turns out during the first two votes for Ika, there's always a bigger threat than she is. And also, there is, like, a huge difference between a passenger and a driver. And Tori is definitely not a, a driver when it comes to votes. So, I'm not sure how well that will benefit her game. And to your point about saying if she were to go to the final tribal council, she needs to make a good points of, like, why she wasn't a floater throughout the pre-merge. That's my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I don't think that she's been a floater. I feel like she's got a pretty good strategic mind. I just think that the level of control she's had, I mean, it's pretty obvious for Anne Romeo or the people in control of that tribe. She has a very interesting underdog arc, but I just feel like due to the fact that, yeah, sure, she's an entertaining presence, but is also in no control on that tribe, it does confuse me why she, I think, is getting way more screen time than anybody on Ika. It makes me think she is going to be the only person from the Ika tribe that's going to be um, in it for a while. I think that 
uh, Roxroy and Drea are screwed. I think Roxroy is going home this next episode. I think Drea is going to go home early merge. I think she has the type of early merge boot edit. I think Romeo, I would, I would, okay, I'm going to talk about them when I get to them, but I think Romeo is probably going to go home like mid merge. But Tori is the only person on that Ika tribe that I think is going to be in it for a very, very long time. She's making finale. She is making finale. I'm not 100 percent sure if she's making final three, but I think she has the best chance of making final three of anybody on this cast right now. Right, and uh, since you mentioned him uh, a few times in a row, let's talk about Romeo. Underrated. Yes, underrated. I 100 percent agree with you. He uh, hasn't been getting a lot of content, and yet he's still in like a good spot socially when it comes to his tribe. He's playing a fantastic game, and I don't care about all the people that don't talk about him ever about anything. He's playing amazingly right now. So he is in control, the only person that hasn't had his name brought up. And we got to see that skinny dude's alliance of him and Zach. I don't think that he voted out Zach to be passive and go with the flow. I think he voted out Zach because he was... Zach was like the the person he was least close to or second least close to and his social game was that good where he was willing to do that and with the Swati vote he threw out Swati's name to Drea why does Drea get so much credit for that I don't understand it and I don't see it Romeo is the only person that hasn't had his name come up on that drive at least once as like a legitimate plan that's impressive on these very very small tribes I think your game plan should be the Sandra Diaz twine strategy. Anybody but me. It's pre-merge. Got to lay low. And uh, there's nowhere to hide. And Romeo is doing a great job at hiding being targeted, but actively still doing stuff. And I actually don't even think people realize how much control he really has. I think people are giving Drea the credit the viewers are. And I think that the players are, too. You know, Romeo kind of reminds me of like Kenny or like Ryan Ulrich or, you know, like people like that where he's in control, but people are just underestimating him and they don't see him as like this legitimate power player. That's a mistake. To be honest, Romeo's like my favorite of all time in the Ika tribe. So I'm starting this podcast right now and say justice for Romeo. Give him the content he deserves. He hasn't had enough screen time. I do agree with that. And I actually feel like he isn't getting as much love from the audience as I would have expected. He's playing so well right now. Like, why are people not? Oh, God. I don't understand. He's just not getting the respect I think he should be getting. He's not talked about enough. I'm actually choosing Romeo, and I'm going to say this right now. He's my dark horse pick to win it all. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm all in for Romeo as a dark horse pick to win it all. If he gets to the end, he has a high chance of winning it. Where would you rank him as most likely to win? Most likely to win from like a skill of 1 to 10 or something? Uh, like, uh, no, ranking everybody that's left. You, are you picking him as number one or do you have him at like two, three, or four? Well, during my pregame analysis... I predicted him to be the third person voted out, but honestly, watching the season, I don't see that anymore. He, based on the interviews, he doesn't appear to be the person that 
he seems to be when viewers see his uh, interview and uh, watching him on the show. He's like actually kick ass in the social game. And he's like yeah. in control. Like he's there. He's there to play. He's here to connect with people. Yeah, and he's really good at what he does. And him being on a tribe that, in my, I think is the worst in challenges, it seems like he's doing a good job at not caring about that, protecting himself. I think that he's played very, very well. Right. Now, let's go over to Drea. All right, so Drea has had an interesting road in this game. So she starts off the game where she gets the amulet with uh, Ty and Lindsay, and uh, she gets this, and it can be an extra vote of three or left. It can be played as a steal a vote of two or left. It can be played as an idol if one is left. Super confusing advantage. As a super fan, I was very confused. I, I think I get it, but it's still very confusing. Um, so... Drea has that. It gets an extra vote originally. And she also gets an extra vote from um, uh, Shipwheel Island. Uh, the the freaking production doesn't give a name for that island, but okay, whatever. So she has, I guess, like the most trinkets of anybody in the game right now, which gives her like a, a good sense of power. And she is in like, I feel like she is now in a better spot on Ika than I would have expected from the last episode where I thought that Swati and Tori would be this really cool dynamic duo. Dead wrong on that read. They turn on each other. Tori does it she felt like it was the only way to keep herself alive. Swati's social game was just a bit better than we thought and she wasn't as connected to Tori as the edit made it look. But like Swati threw out Drea's name and that just that whole Drea plan just totally dissipated in this episode. And uh She's doing like an okay job. I don't think she's playing as well as Romeo is. Uh, I don't know how she's going to do at Merge. I, I actually have a feeling she's going to go home pretty early on at that point. Um, just based off of the edit that she's getting, I would expect a bit more content from her. She's just not like she's not someone. I don't think she's making final eight. I think she's going to go home before then. Uh, but based on what we've seen so far, I've had fun watching her. She is from Montreal, Quebec. That is my home city. So I can root for her because of that. Um, so uh, there isn't a ton to say about Drea. The Ika tribe hasn't gotten like as much content as the other two tribes. But I actually don't think there's much to say about Drea other than she has a lot of power and her name hasn't come up. She, she, her being a target totally dissipated. Um, so we're going to have to see. Maybe her game will get a bit more interesting at Merge. But as of right now, I actually don't have much to say about Drea. Right. And Adrea, to me, I felt like she was going to prove me wrong. Like, I had my first impression of her being one of those, you know, strategic threats and might not have a really good social game. But the way that she's been recently is kind of a testament to that because she does do good in challenges for her tribe and... Her social game has, like, gone down to bits because, she, one, she already told the Tori and Swathi at the time that she had an advantage. And also, that alliance is completely 
decimated now because everybody now knows about the amulet on Ika and Swathi went home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much everything that I'll say about Drea. Preseason, I predicted her as sixth place. Now I think due to her edit, I think she's going to do a bit worse than that. But we'll see. I'm curious to see how the amulet and the extra vote affects her game. I feel like, unfortunately, her entire edit is going to revolve around now once merch hits. That's what I think. I think that's the only thing that the editors are going to care about. Um, and, yeah, we're going to have to see. But that might be the only content we get from her for the rest of the season. And last but not least, Roxroy. All right, so Roxroy. Um Rox Roy has what a negative edit this dude has got. Like such a negative edit. I've never really seen anything quite like this. Where he's not like I mean, obviously this isn't like Dan Spilo, you know, uh Philip Shepherd type of uh situation. Uh who else? Like, yeah, Shannon from Nicaragua. It's not like Jeff Farner, maybe like it's not really like that where it's just like negative content. Okay. I've never seen someone where the percentage of their total edit leading up to this point in the game has been so freaking negative. I've never seen this. And uh, it's very bizarre, honestly. I don't really understand it. Poor Rockstroy. Um, what I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, so, so far, we saw him start off the season where he was like a curmudgeon. He complained about the shelter. He felt like it needed to be built immediately. But then you see him kind of being, kind of playing a hell of a lot better socially than I would have expected. You know, he he gets in with Swathi pretty early. He gets in with Drea pretty early. He had like he was like pretty cordial with the whole tribe, and I felt like he was doing okay for himself. Um, and you know, as the game goes on, so we had we had that. Um, dang, what else? <laughs> Uh, I think Roxray is screwed next episode. I really do think he's screwed for next episode. I think that Tori Tori's going to find the idol that got spoiled because the editors are extremely lazy when they were making the damn preview. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I think we'll get to that. But I think that Tori's going to find the idol. I think that Ika is going to lose, and I think that Tori's going to play it, and Roxray is going to get idled out in like a three to two or three to one vote depending on if Drea plays the extra vote or not. Um, so uh, I think Roxroy is going home this next episode. And if he makes Merge, I think he's going he's gonna to get like a purple edit and get like ninth place. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like that Roxroy, I'm not sure if he even got a single confession like since the first episode when we got to know about him. And I feel like camp-wise... What? Three confessionals all season or something. That's it? Dang. He's had like Um, a really low number. It's probably higher than three, but really low number. Dang. Um, Camp wise, you can kind of consider him as the leader when it comes to camp life, but game wise. His his head is, like, literally in the wrong direction. He has absolutely no knowledge of what is going on. Heck, he has no knowledge that Drea has the advantage and, like, everybody else knows about it. 
Yeah. And uh, I think that like it kind of seemed like Dre and Rockstar were connected, and it doesn't really seem like that's the case entirely. Uh, Rockstar, like from a camp standpoint, sure is the leader. From a game standpoint, no, he's not. He voted for Tory. Nobody else did. So I think that that's just that kind of puts him in a bad spot. I don't really think he's going to get out of it. I think that Rockstar maybe could be in a better spot when you. Like when you get rid of the idol out of the equation entirely, then Tori. But due to the fact that I'm pretty sure like Tori's gonna find the idol, even though there's no proof, because in the preview Tori just kind of looks down at it. But maybe she doesn't find it. I don't know. But Tori can find that. Ron Tori can get idled out if Ika loses. I think that they will. So uh, there's not much to say about Rocks right other than I think he is screwed. Yeah. Really do. So that concludes our discussion with Ika. Let's go with to the tribe with the huge number of people to get this over with, okay? Vati. Let's start off speaking about Vati. Let's start off talking about the guy who has the advantage, Mike. All right, so Mike, I love Mike. Mike is awesome. Um, so coming into the season, Mike was my preseason winner pick. A lot of people thought that I was crazy, saying, oh, my God, he's like the Tony Vlachos, Joe Mena, War Dog archetype. Like, he ain't winning. He could win. And if he doesn't win, he's a decoy winner's edit. That's what he's getting. He's, getting, he's, getting, he's a big decoy winner. So coming into the season, he got personal content from the get. Jeff Probst goes to him immediately um, right when they pull up and said, what does it take to win this game? And I think it would be interesting if like the first boot and the winner answered that question because Zach was the first person voted out. And uh, uh, Mike, it aired with Mike saying it as well. And I feel like Jeff probably asked that question to many people, but I think he might, the editors might have thought it would be funny to have the first boot and the winner say that. That's one of the reasons why I think Mike is our winner. Um, we have confessionals. He gets a lot of personal content. Uh, and he is, he's confessional gold, honestly. I think he's been very fun in the confessionals. Um, <laughs> the idol is, is missing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so that was, that was absolutely amazing. He lost the idol. I don't know how, um, how, how often that happens, but it was so funny. Like, literally, like, Daniel comes over to, uh, to Mike and Jenny, and he's like, can I please see the, the paperwork? I really want to see it. I'm a, I'm a super fan and I need to see what it looks like. I just, I have to read it. And he pulls up, he pulls it up and Mike's like, no, not right now. <laughs> like later. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, later on, he's like, okay, fine. <laughs> and then he just like gives it to him. And then Mike takes the, takes the paperwork. Thank you. Takes the idol, sits down. And he's like, oh, there's always something. And then he leaves the idol. <laughs> <laughs> and then he picks up the paperwork, forgets the idol there, loses it, and then um, and then Mike's confessional, the idol is missing. And then they was looking around, and it was just such a funny moment. My dad came down, never watched a Survivor, but he saw that, giggled, and walked away. You don't even have to be a fan to find that funny. I thought it was hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, that happened. And what I think is so interesting about Mike is that. Like I said before, people really are going to clump them into the Tony, 
Joe than a war dog archetype. But I actually feel like with him being so out and about with these goofy behaviors, he's more of a Keith Nail. And that's what I was thinking coming into the season. I was like, he could actually be a Keith Nail figure if he exposes that correctly and it's going to help lower his threat level. And, you know, he, he did say in his package, his uh, original intro during the, um, the the pregame, you know, he was like, you know, I, I come across as very intimidating, but that's it, that has nothing to do with who I am. And uh, from what we've seen from Mike, that's true. I mean, even like in the secret scene where he whips out the papaya and does a papaya dance in front of everybody, like, that's good. You know, like, don't be an ex- don't come across as this, like, you know, mafia mob boss. Come across as a dad that likes to embarrass his daughter when all of, it, all of her friends are over. Like, that's like the type of dad that says a bunch of dad jokes. <laughs> if he, like, plays that up, man, he's got a shot at this. He can win this game. So that's what I have to say about Mike. My first impression of Mike was it, was that he looks like he's one of those dads that would wake up that would wake you up early in the morning and tell you to do the lawn and once you're done he'll just take you out and get ice cream. That's what my impression was. And the for his game moving forward, all he has to do is keep the idol in his pants. That's it. It's like my mom's telling me once I started going off to college, keep your phone in your pocket. Don't leave it out. Like, that's that kind of scenario. And (laughs) I feel like Mike's not afraid of anything. Like, he is, like, not ashamed to, like, show anything to, like, anybody. He just wants to, like, he's just playing as himself. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, very few 58-year-olds that have played Survivor, you know, anybody that's that old or older has played as well as he has. I think that he's got a lot of potential in this game, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what else we see from him because he's the type of person that has very interesting content, but I think that that content will continue to be good and it will continue to diversify in what is being referenced in his content. Right. He currently leads the entire season with confessionals. So. Really? Yes. Yeah. Not surprised. I thought it was Marianne, but okay. Moving on. We are going, since you mentioned him, Daniel. Let's talk about Daniel. What a hot mess, let me tell you. Yes. (laughs) Hot mess. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so uh, Daniel starts this game off um, kind of funny. So uh, it's not funny. It's very, very sad. Just probably how depressed he was when this happened and just scared. Um, But day one at the beach, first challenge, he enters his shoulder like instantly. So the hot mess begins right here. And I'm like, it's funny in hindsight, but at the time it hurt, obviously. So I do feel bad for him. And he must have been mortified, feel bad for him because of that. But in hindsight, it's pretty funny. I think even he might get a kick out of it now. But you just see him like like the very first day, very first challenge. You know, he's sitting down with the medic, and the medic's like, "There is the possibility that you know we're going to have to pull you from the game to get you some X-rays. That's very important." And then he just kind of looks up and he's like mortified, like wide-eyed. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Okay, I feel bad for this guy. He looks very, very scared." But they said, you know, you just gotta 
just kind of rest it. You just got to make sure that you don't do anything stupid. Um, just, just like take it easy, and they let him stay in the game. Uh, then the game uh, goes on, and I actually feel like socially he was doing kind of well. Him and Chanel were doing like a very good early game strategy. It's even good like mid merge too. It's pretty effective. Just like being be on good terms with everybody and be able to play the middle and kind of be able to choose which way to go instead of like forcing votes. You just have two ears on both sides and like you can kind of choose which way to go. And that's how Daniel and Chanel were playing. So Daniel was able to just kind of like play the middle. Um, and then they finally lose. Uh, fourth, after three people were already removed from the game, they lose. They have to go to their first tribal of the season, the final 15. And, um, before that, we see Chanel make a dumb decision at Shipwheel Island. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and then we have Mike find his idol earlier on. He lost his vote because that's how the Beware Bandages work. So only four valid votes are being able to be cast here. And uh, Hi and Lydia are a duo. They were able to put two votes on Jenny. And, um, and uh, Daniel and... Hi. Daniel and Jenny. Daniel Jenny. and Jenny. All right. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Daniel and Jenny voted for Lydia, and uh, it was 2-2. And uh, you just kind of saw Daniel have, as High described, no backbone um, when it tied uh, the second time, and it went to an open discussion, where terrible opening line, Daniel says, I do not want to go to Rocks. And then High was like, oh, okay. You're not willing to go to Rocks? And he just says, I'm voting for Jenny no matter what. I'm not changing my vote. That's just the way that it's going to be. And um, I thought that that was uh, definitely good on High's part. But Daniel, he made a lot of enemies. I mean, he's, he says that Chanel's playing both sides. He um, totally lied to High. He totally lied to Mike, especially and like, like even afterwards. You know, he, he goes to Mike and he's like, Chanel's my number one, not you. And um, and then there's Lydia, who he voted for. Not explanatory. Jenny is out of the game. As crazy as it sounds, I think the person least mad at Daniel is probably Mike, which basically means that Daniel is in a bit of a hole. Um, because even Mike was pretty mad, but I actually think Mike is the most chill with him right now. Can I say something? Yeah. When I'm it done. comes to Daniel... It's like we're literally watching him and his game go down in flames. He dislocates his uh, shoulder during the first 20 minutes they land on the beach. And <laughs> he, he loses Mike's idol by accident. And he also, well, like came clean to everybody that he was playing all sides and basically lied to the majority of them. And from my perspective, we're just watching him go down in flames. Like, for me, I think he's most likely to go next, and yet his tribe is still winning challenges. Yeah, if they lose, um, the only way how I see him maybe staying is if, like, if Daniel's somehow able to make it up with Chanel, pull in Mike, and then they, you know, pull a 3-2 blindside on Lydia. But I doubt that. I actually, I think Lydia's the Heather of the season. I think she's going to be in it for a while. But we'll talk about Lydia when we get to Lydia. It's just like, for me personally, Daniel is like, really intriguing to watch. He's just not, 
like he, he has potential. He has potential in the sense that like he kind of understands the game and is able to play the middle pretty well. I think socially he was doing very well for himself. But we saw his paranoia, how he acts when he loses, and he's not very good at playing the game after the loss of an immunity challenge. Because we we learned that based on the personality traits that he has, mixed in with the type of player that he is, he makes a lot of enemies that he didn't have before that. Exactly. Let's talk about Chanel next. All right. So uh, Chanel was someone who coming into the season, I felt like she was someone that I could, I could see as a potential dark horse to win the whole thing. Um, but as, as soon as it starts off, then um, did you say something? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. So um, Chanel, after the first episode, based on the edit that she got, I was I totally thought that she could win because I was like, you're kind of getting an Erica type edit here where you're, you're kind of reminding me of Erica with the, uh, with the edit that you got in this first episode. Um, but usually, you know, the winner has to be shown right in the edit. They have to have positive content, you know, completely outweigh the negative content. She, she, uh, she, she didn't do anything controversial by any means, but she just had a very negative edit in, uh, in this, uh, the, the episode where Jenny was voted out in the sense that you just saw her be wrong constantly. So, like, oh, God. Okay, so Chanel says in a confessional um, that right before tribal, she's like, I don't have a vote, but I'm controlling the vote. And then she doesn't get her way at tribal. So that's like, that's like it made her look bad, and most winners don't have that ever happen at any point in their entire game. Um so that's one red flag and why I think Chanel's still like a contender to win for me, but she just went down so much. Also, she decides to risk her vote. It's almost like she didn't even think about the other person. Like it was such an individual decision. Like she's just thinking about herself, the wheel, the two options, pick one, leave. She didn't even, I almost, did she even like think about Omar when she made that decision? Like, maybe just maybe omar is gonna risk his vote like of course omar is gonna risk his vote he has nothing to lose if he risks his vote he can't vote at the final 12 merge vote um that's the, the worst thing that can happen to him and you know if he if he protects his vote then he gets nothing but if he risks it he either loses his vote at the final 12 a vote where like i could be wrong about this but around where his vote probably doesn't matter too much um or he risks it and it works out for him and he gets an extra vote. But Chanel should have realized that there was about a 96% chance that Omar would risk his vote. And when you're going in to a tribal where you know that Mike can't vote because of his beware advantage, you are going into a tribal where there's only five votes that could be cast and you risk your vote dropping it down to four where there's only five other people that can go home. There's nowhere to hide. But what I find so fascinating, and this is what I think kind of made Chanel look good, is she played the middle, didn't expose any of her cards, and got no heat for Jenny going home when Daniel got all of it, which made no sense to the viewers. But I do understand why the players didn't understand why. Um, okay, thanks, Dennis. <laughs> um, so Chanel, props to you for not getting any heat for playing in the middle and her not having a vote helped that um 
Sal, I guess it kind of worked out for her that she arrested her vote because she 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 has she has her vote back now. By the way, it's only one tribe where she loses it. Um, but that's not how the wear advantages work. That's how it works for that. So uh, that those are like my general thoughts on Chanel. Yeah, with Chanel, I remember specifically pregame. Everybody's like all big with Chanel and all that stuff. Yes. Like they always choose her as their winner pick. To be honest, I'm not feeling it from her. I'm not. And who knows? Like you said, she might get a Erica's edit. And she... What doesn't make sense is that she literally straight up said to Omar that she wants to keep her vote in, like, the worst way possible. And she ends up risking it anyway. I, I'm, I know that that doesn't make any sense, but think about that on Omar's perspective of how that would benefit him if his tribe ever went to tribal or the first emerge vote think about yeah, sur that survivor survivor is about the person next to you it's not you, you can't be so self-centered when you're playing a game like this the game does not revolve around you and that's a mistake that so many players make in u.s survivor foreign survivor the the online community like you need to understand that everybody else outnumbers you and you need to actually like figure out what other people are going to do and that's how you build trust that's how you figure out who you can work with that's how you figure out what other people want to do you know, so I don't think, I think that Chanel, like, was totally ignorant in that. And I think there might have been something Omar said that we didn't see. But I did not understand Chanel's rationale. And, I mean, Chanel survived. She didn't get her way, but she survived. And, you know, she might be okay. But uh, she risked a lot by losing her vote at this tribal. If, uh, things could have been very, very bad if things had went haywire. Also, she just couldn't, like, fight for her point as to who should go home because her and Mike had absolutely no say in the decision that had to be decided between Daniel and Hi. Yeah. Okay, so we're done with Chanel. Let's talk about Hi. Okay, so Hi, I am very high on Hi. So High is doing a good, High is playing well. High is playing well. He okay. So Lydia had her name brought up. Jenny went home. Daniel is getting a bunch of heat. Um, Mike could potentially be an easy unanimous vote if everybody actually has that unity to do it. Because I think they realize now that Mike is a swing vote. And then Chanel could potentially go home over Daniel if Daniel's social game is good enough. High is totally safe, ridiculously safe in a very very good spot on that tribe. And I actually think positioning-wise, him and Romeo are in the best spot right now to at least make it to merge. I think that they're in a very good spot. Um, High, you know, he played phenomenally at that Jenny vote. He was so confused with everything that happened. He was just completely not in the know of everybody losing their vote. And yet he sits there and he's like, I'm voting for Jenny. I'm not changing my vote. And I think that he basically did that because... He knew that if it went to a rock draw, it would be him, Daniel, Mike, and Chanel drawing rocks. And he knew that there was a 75% chance that somebody that he was less close to than Lydia would draw the rock. So I understand why he was willing to risk rocks. But 
it didn't go to rocks and he got his way of just the original vote of voting for Jenny. And I think that that was, was, was really cool. Now, obviously like, let's, let's be real, you know, Hi was a hell of a lot closer to Lydia than Daniel was to, to Jenny. So it wasn't like too, too shocking that that's how things ended up going. But I was honestly kind of like, I, I was a part of me that was kind of cheering for a rock draw, but good on high. Good on high. Good on high is right. Um, I think what would totally benefit with a highs game is that in those situations, like let's go back to the first the challenge when they arrived on the beach, everybody, he had to think fast and make a decision whether to have the advantage or take the paddles and leave. And then you have this moment in Tribal Council where he basically just like, started off being confused and ended up making the vote his way. So I feel like in out-of-nowhere situations, I think High is a fast thinker, and that'll work out for him. So I am with you. I am definitely High on High. I would kill to have that high joint tonight so yeah yeah high is uh high is doing pretty well for himself um i think that it's really good that you know he has that humility where he makes errors and he just corrects them as he plays and that that's something that is is very good on his end he said he's a quick thinker and that's when, when you know he was very confused about how that whole jenny vote happened he then followed it up by standing his ground. So he made mistakes and he corrected them as he played instead of letting himself consist- consistently make mistakes and ultimately write his own death warrant that didn't happen. And I think that he's doing a phenomenal job for right now. But I think once merch hits, I think he'll probably go home uh, fairly early on at that point. Um, I think that he's like, I-, I would expect actually more content from him it kind of just feels like they're only giving him content when they need to give him content, which makes me think that the editors don't want us to be too invested in him. So I think he's going to go home pretty early on in the merge. Last but not least, Vervati. Lydia. Just Lydia. Who is Lydia? Um, Both y'all so bitches Lydia, come here. Uh, so the only thing I know about Lydia is that she hates sand and doesn't like sunburns. Um... That's that's about all we know about Lydia. Um, She is the second youngest on the cast um, behind Swathi, who's already gone. Um, uh, So Lydia coming into the season, I didn't really have much thoughts on her. There's a few people. um, I I don't even know what to say about her. (laughs) I know that she got, uh, she was the contingent vote at the, um, the Jenny vote, I thought because of Jenny's stronger edit, there was maybe a stronger chance that She'd go home, but after it tied, I thought no doubt in my mind that Jenny was going to go home, whereas I thought Lydia would go home before it tied. Um, she's just not getting a great edit, but I see Heather in her. I think she's going to make it to the merge, be extremely irrelevant, get no screen time, and then lose fire or get third place or something like that. Yes, she is definitely going to be getting that Heather edit 
and she hasn't been doing so good in tribal challenges, especially with her jumping off the edge to get the key. I love that meme that Survivor just made. Like the key said, trying to get my eight hours of sleep. And then me is being said on Lydia as she's falling down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Lydia is a meme based on what I know of her. Um, <laughs> no offense if you're listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... That actually all concludes Vati. Let's talk about Vatu, the strong four tribe. Quote Jonathan. Taku. Taku? Yeah. Did I say yeah, another name? You said Vatu. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Vati with a U. Um, so, yeah, Taku. Uh, okay, so who do you want to talk about first? You said Jonathan? Jonathan, yeah. Okay, so Jonathan is playing an amazing game. I obviously do see a few mistakes in him. I think you agree that his game hasn't been perfect. You know, with him at the reward challenge, staying over this tight four, with everybody being there, not smart. Um, so he's playing very, very well. You know, we saw him start this game off, and he controlled that Mariah vote. It was like, you basically see him in the confessional being like, we're going to tell Mariah that it's Marianne. We're going to tell Marianne that it's Mariah so that neither of them use their, their shot in the dark. And then Omar, Lindsay, and myself, cough, cough, just myself, are going to decide who goes home. And it ended up being Mariah. Not shocking. Pretty easy. But Marianne was the contingent plan there. And you see Jonathan in, um, right afterwards saying, you know, I I'm tight. I'm tight with Marianne. And um, before that, when he was talking to Mariah, he was saying, like, I'm tight with Marianne. This is going to suck. And um, that's that's kind of how uh, you, you, you can clearly see that Jonathan is in control and he's doing a good job socially. And what I find very, very interesting about him is his archetype is typically extremely egotistical and just not rootable in any capacity. And, uh, you know, you kind of just see it with like the Chris Noble type, you know, Joel Anderson from Micronesia. They're just kind of like, they're just like trying to be all that and very arrogant. He's not like that. He's very endearing, very charming, and is also a challenge beast. And, um, you know, he doesn't, like, think that the world revolves around him. I think that he's playing very well socially in that way. I think strategically he's been quite dominant physically. Whew, amazing. Absolutely impeccable. But strategically, I feel like he has made some errors, like exposing how tight the Taku 4 is. I think that that might put a target on their back on merge. No doubt that Taku will just win out until merge. It's just a matter of like how well can people actually do at that point. You know, because I don't know. I, I feel like with the amount of story that we've gotten from Taku, it does make me think that the winner might be from Taku. Um, but I still have so much faith in the Mike Turner that I just don't know. I, I can't I can't make the assumption yet that some, the winner's from Taku. Um, but Jonathan's doing quite well for himself. Yeah, I agree. Um, like you said earlier, this game, you are put into circumstances where you don't want to think too highly of yourself or have this game involved around you. For Jonathan, he's not making it be involved around him. Like, 
He's, he even gave the rest of his tribe credit for what they do in the challenges, and he wasn't, like, making that all about himself. But Yeah, that, was, that, that sounded really fake, but at least he's doing it. He knows deep down that he carried that team, but he's going to say, oh, we all did amazing. We all were a team. He knows deep down that that's not true at all, but he was just trying to be a nice guy. Always the best route to take. Even the other two tribes think that it's bullshit. Like, they're... <laughs> they're tra- Taku's and being ran Jeff, by Goliath. Jeff is putting a big target. Jeff is putting a massive target on his back by saying, one of the best performances I've ever seen by one person in a pre-merge challenge. That was an amazing job, Jonathan. And then he starts, like, bowing, uh, internally annoyed. Because Jeff was putting a target on his back, like, bro, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jonathan, he, I got nothing else to say about Jonathan, to be honest with you. I mean, his. Yeah, it's been fun watching the Hulk play Survivor. Yes. <laughs> He's like the size of a freaking Alabama linebacker. Um, <laughs> but he did go to school in Alabama for swimming, so I can see that. So anyway, we're now past Jonathan. Let's talk about his little buddy, Omar. All right, we got the Stephen Fish back to his JT. Um, so I kind of see like a JT Stephen type of you know, relationship here. I think it's interesting. And I, I, Jonathan said in his confessional, you know, him and I make like the perfect human. You know, you got the, you got the, the brains, the bronze, the beauty, all like put together. And uh, that's, that's good. So I think that those two could potentially work very well together. Um, Omar is interesting. A lot of people are saying that he's going to be the winner, you know, in his uh, original package video. Uh, right at the end of it, you hear the bird sound effect after he was talking about how he wanted to play like a very variation of birds and nobody else got that like attention because everybody else it was just like closed out they show the survivor logo with him it was it closes out shows the survivor logo and then just a bird sound plays and i'm like why are they giving him that positive attention um and you know he, his game kind of reminds me of erica where erica was like i'm going to be a lion that's dressed up as a lamb and then you have uh omar saying i'm going to come in as a as a pigeon, something that's non-threatening, I'm going to come across as a pigeon, but really I'm going to be the owl of the night and not going to see me coming. That sounds like a, just a knockoff Erica Kasupinen. That's what it sounds like. However, I'm just going to be bold here and say that Omar is going to be our Tiffany this season and get like 11th place because the editors know how much we read into the edit. Uh, and us, you know, people that are really like dissecting the edit would assume that the winner has to be Jonathan omar or marianne but i think that one of them is just gonna like i would i would actually say say omar is gonna go home like super early on in the merge and it's gonna be like so shocking to everybody um i mean i could i could take like a massive l in that but you know i guess i'll take that chance um so omar is someone that like with the edit that he's been getting he does have like a very stereotypical winner's edit i just think if omar's our winner it's actually a bit too obvious honestly um what else um, I don't really know what else to say. Um, 
you know, we, we got his personal content about him being Muslim and he got like his personal content there. Um, but even without that, I feel like his edit has just been like so positive to the point where it seems like he's genuinely a winner's candidate. Um, eh. I feel like like when you read into the edit, it kind of looks like the ta- the winner is from Taku. Uh, so we're going to have to see. Yeah. Now let's talk about Marianne, the girl that's been getting this main character edit and being asked a lot of questions by Jeff at the beginning uh, at immunity challenges. Yeah. So uh, Marianne starts the game off super smiley uh, in front of Jeff, super excited. She talks a lot. Um, and then the, the, she gets like ridiculously excited, cheering on the tribes, um, overly shocked when she sees who got spoke, who got voted out. Um, she had a crush on Zach. And there's a bunch of Robin Amber memes out there now about how they fell in love at Ponderosa. Um, uh, so uh, I, I believe that Jonathan was making jokes about should we just vote out Marianne so that instead of Mariah so that she could be with Zach. Um, so uh, we have that content and uh, she's gotten a ton of screen time and I really liked her edit of... Uh, her, her confessionals saying how, you know, she she's she's weird and she wants everybody else to know that you can be weird too and you can win. I felt like that was very positive. Um, she finds the idol in front of Omar, tells her entire tribe because she just can't keep a secret. That's not her personality. Uh, so she says the whole, um, it's just the classic case of the rabbit having dinner in the mailbox. And she has to say that like over and over again. You know, the Ika tribe's idol hasn't been found yet. Mike is being all smart about it. He's going to wait until both of the other tribes say it before he says his. But Marianne just is just going to keep on saying it at every challenge. Um, and I think Marianne probably has the worst one in terms of just how blatant it is that you're trying to activate an idol. Obviously, with so many cameras going on and a lot of stuff going on, it's never, like, super blatant that that's the case, that um, that an idol is, you know, in, in play. Uh, because a phrase is being said, but I do feel like that's that's like such a random, like it's not even a joke, and it's not even like a true story or true fairy tale of uh, the whole rabbit thing. So it's just very random, and I feel bad about for Marianne for that. But these idols are like just so public, anyways. Um, and Marianne doesn't have a vote right now, unless like it gets activated, she doesn't have a vote. So that 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 might not bode well. Um, and I think that like if her idol doesn't get activated and Taku does lose, she's gone, but there's just no way that that's actually going to happen. I think Taku's going to win out. It's pretty obvious. Um, but I think once merch hits, I think what's probably going to happen with Marianne, I'd say like at final seven or six, probably final seven, people are just going to be like, she's clearly the main character of the season. She may not be that great in challenges, but why risk it? Let's just get her out. It's going to be like an Elaine Christian type situation where she gets like seventh place because she's just such a main character. So that's, I feel pretty confident that that's, I, I feel so confident that Marianne is getting seventh or sixth place. I really do. My feelings for Marianne is that she's, she is possibly in a good spot once her idol gets activated because she has her extra vote from the first episode and she'll have an idol. So. I hope what what would 
what it would come down to is if she plays smart about it. If she plays, like, you know, Survivor book smart about it. Like, playing her advantages at the right time. Like, she needs to realize, oh, Survivor's so happy. I can be, like, open about almost everything. I mean, literally, in Survivor, no secret is safe. You can't trust everybody. You can't give too much information if you're, if you're just going to keep running your mouth like that. Yeah, definitely a mistake, but that's just not the personality that she is. I mean, you gotta you gotta play the game as who you are, and it's so hard for someone to just completely turn off who they are at times. But still, not a good move, not a good strategic move uh, to go tell everybody that you have an idol and like an extra vote. And uh, I, I think she probably told everybody about her extra vote. I, I believe she did. Um, yeah. Yeah. And last but not least, you got Lindsay. Okay, Lindsay's interesting. So based off of the edit, it kind of seems like the winner could be on talk to, unless it's Mike. That's just how I see it. Um, but what could also be happening is, like, most female winners get edited exactly how she is. She's getting side content. Like, she's there. Like, she, they're not missing on her. It's like Omar is, like, being edited to be, like, someone we're supposed to care about but probably won't win. Uh, Jonathan is the exact same thing. Marianne, exact same thing with Omar having a bit higher of a chance of winning than Jonathan or Marianne based on the edit. But Lindsay is just getting like side content, but she's there. Like she's genuinely there and you, you, you can actually see that she's getting a lot of content. I think Lindsay has the best chance of winning out of anybody on Taku just based off of that. I think that they're going to probably try and lean into giving somebody a, a closer to an Erica edit and a Kim Spradlin type winner's edit, but I still don't think it's going to be as shocking as Erica's win. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to see. Lindsay has an amulet. It feels like she's doing pretty well socially in her tribe, um, even if Taku had ever lost. Like, I don't think she was ever going to be in any grave danger. Um, I think that Lindsay probably has the best chance of actually using her social game to actually, like, take out, you know, the other two people with, with amulets. Um, I think that High is also very good socially. And then Drea, we haven't really seen her edit too much. She, like, maybe she's a lot better socially than we think. But I need to see more of her in order to know what type of game she really plays. Um, so, I don't know. I think that Lindsay could potentially make it far. I think that she will, actually. I don't think she'll win. I think she might come close to winning. Um, I think she's in a good spot, though. Taku's just going to win out. She doesn't have like a ton of interesting content leading up to this point, but I think that she will have interesting content considering she is, you know, a very dynamic personality. You know, in the in the pregame, she kind of reminded me of Nora. I think that's like the main person that she reminded me of. Um, but I don't think she's going to be a zero vote finalist by any means. Um, but I think once merch gets, we might get a little bit more content from her. I think she's going to be in it for a while. I'm curious to see what damage her amulet can do. And I'm um, curious to see how she works with Taku moving forward. Yeah. Um, something's telling me that you can't sleep on Lindsay. She has the amulet. She has Jonathan as her meat shield. And she's probably going to be one of those people who's going to protect Jonathan at all costs. Because once Jonathan gets voted out, then 
Who becomes the threat? You for voting him out. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that, yeah, Lindsay's not going to turn on Jonathan until like final six, whereas other people might just think before that, physical threat, ding, 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 he has to go. Whereas I honestly think that uh, Jonathan and Lindsay, they could potentially be a a dynamic duo that's just being hidden. Uh, Or maybe like Jonathan and Omar will be the next Dominic and Wendell. I feel like they've kind of gotten like a similar edit to that. Um, But JT and Steven is like the main duo that they remind me a hell of a lot about. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I think that concludes everything. And um, speaking of Fishback, Marianne has pissed off Steven Fishback for not finishing watching the entire season of Survivor Token Sheens. Can can someone please explain to me how Token Sheens is the only season that she hasn't watched fully? Token Sheens is a good season. It should not be the season that bores you the most, Marianne. I don't understand why that's the case. There's a lot of other seasons that are worse than that one. Why? (laughs) Yeah, like, Token Sheens is, like, way better. I mean, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, so... That wraps up our entire quick cast assessment on everybody. And, uh, Jonah, I got one question for you. Okay. Where are the votes? Hi. <laughs> Hi. Was, uh, was very confused. Um, that, that should have been a meme. should have been taken a little more seriously as a meme. Um, I thought that was very funny. But yeah, I turned it around and he made things better for himself. And I also got one last question for you. If oh, it's, yeah, I can't wait. If it's not Roxroy next episode, who else would it be? Uh, I think Daniel, um, mainly because I think that Tori's edit has been too big to actually go home, which is why I think she's going to find the idol, play it. Um, Dre and Romeo are just in too big of a spot plus they're a duo on that tribe I don't think they've let anybody that's not Roxroy go home I think that the only way that Roxroy doesn't go home in this episode is if Taku and Ika win immunity and then Daniel just goes home right because he's, he's, he's screwed everybody over like, <laughs> big time like, I think that Mike on, a, Mike on a personal level likes Daniel you know we saw in the whole fishing secret scene for the next episode not secret scene um sneak peek um we saw that like on a personal level daniel and mike get along but mike shouldn't forgive that i feel like daniel is just in a lot of hot water right now yeah and also jonathan during the sneak peek he kept on saying about marianne that she doesn't know when to stop talking yeah maybe maybe they will be more dysfunctional than uh than we think (laughs) Yeah, but again, like it's edited to make it look like the core three is Jonathan, Lindsay, and Omar. I don't think there's going to be a ton of deviation from that. It kind of looked like Lindsay was even annoyed with Marianne. Like Lindsay had one confessional where she's just like, "I do enjoy her, but when you're running on fumes and you know we're all low energy, it's a lot to deal with." Um, and then Omar is on pretty good terms with Marianne. Um, those two seem fine, but. Yeah there's still a bit of dis- dysfunction on that tribe. I don't think that this is going to be like 
you know, the the uh, the I-204, or the Raro 4, I don't even remember, um, in Cook Islands, you know, where it was a four-person alliance that just, like, ran everything. I don't think that they are as kumbaya as um, as you might think. They might just be holy crap by now. <laughs> nice reference. I don't reference. know if they're actually going to be able to stick as a solid four. Nice reference. And, um... It also looks like we might have a, an alliance with Mike, Hi, and Lydia. It, well, yeah, I think Mike's the swing boat. And uh, it's pretty obvious that Hi and Lydia are a duo. And if if Vati loses, that's probably the three that I would expect to, you know, go into go, like, control the boat and maybe Chanel will even hop on board to boat Daniel. But yeah, I think that like, once merge hits, considering Mike High and uh, and Lydia don't have that many connections with the other tribes, you know, uh, Lydia and Mike have none, and then uh, High only has two from that whole amulet thing. That's not going to gain much social traction, right? Like that was a eight minute conversation talks where they were all those three were all together with the whole amulet thing. There's even some incentive to you know target each other. So I don't expect that making it very far. But I do think that yeah, it's possible that um, that uh, that High Mike and Lydia will work together pretty well at merge. We have to see with how like Chanel and Daniel are going to enter the equation. They might just flip immediately. Who knows? Yeah. Well, Jonah, do you have any last minute things to say about what has been going on so far? Yeah, you know, it's been a very good season so far. I feel like I, I am enjoying it. Um, it's had a lot of, like, dynamic gameplay. Uh, I have a few predictions. I think Roxoray is going to go next. Uh, Dre is going to go at 12. Omar is going to go at 11. Hai uh, is going to go at 10. Daniel's going to go at 9. Romeo's going to go at 8. Marianne's going to go at 7. Um, Jonathan's going to go at 6. Chanel's going to go at five. Uh, hmm. Lindsay's going to go at four. Uh, Lydia's going to be zero vote finalist. Tori will get a, a couple votes and then might win the whole thing. <laughs> so that's, that's, that, those are my predictions on uh, that, that have nothing to do. Those are not my predictions uh, that are preseason. That's what I think is going to happen based on the season that I've watched. Uh, but so far, you know, the Jenny boat was really dynamic. I feel like they've just edited the season a bit better. And I'm excited to see how this is going to play out. It's going to be interesting. Interesting. Yes, I agree. Um, I should start doing that list this sometime of, like, how I feel how people are going to finish based on my impressions of them. Mm -hmm. Leading up to the finale. So... Anything else, Jonah? No, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. Thank you for having me, Dennis. Um, you know, this was very fun. You know, since I entered the fandom, the Instagram fandom, I've been more focused on playing games and talking about it vocally. I just kind of like watch the show, and uh, you know, Survivor Forty One came back in September, and it had been a long hiatus since the show actually came back. Uh, so we kind of got to like dive into like what originally got us all into Survivor, which is the show itself. And um, I haven't like like deep dive talked about it like in this way. So it's it's been fun. So yeah, thanks for having me. 
No problem. Anytime. Well, I am done with everything I would like to say. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast with me and Jonah. I'm gonna add Jonah's socials on the description of this episode and mine's as well especially the dentro's reality instagram page if you would like to follow that as well a little shout out to you buddy um have a nice thank you dentro (laughs) thank you uncle dennis king (laughs) no problem anytime have a nice day guys